Hello all and welcome back to another episode of Movies and Us, a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about movies, stories, and connection. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And today we're going to be reviewing the film Reptile. Sarah, kick us off with an IMDb summary for Reptile. Tom Nichols is a hardened New England detective unflinching in his pursuit of a case where nothing is as it seems, and it begins to dismantle the illusions in his own life. All right. Uh, Let's start off with our one-sentence summaries for Reptile. What was your choice? Mine is, real estate is a dangerous business. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Uh, my summary is encountering a reptile in Petco is probably a more thrilling experience than this reptile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Uh, I love I love a burn that uses Petco in it. That's, <laughs> that's good stuff right there. Well done. Uh, yeah, I did not build any intrigue, I think very clear where my stance is on this movie but let's yeah, dive you, in you loved it right you were on the edge of your seat the entire I, I was I was yeah, I knew <laughs> it okay let's start off with our initial thoughts of reptile and in this first section we will not spoil this movie at all and uh it being a mystery thriller things seems fitting for you to go into it with a blank slate so Sarah tell me your thoughts about reptile did this work for you uh, no, uh, it did not. This is not a good movie. Um, <laughs> I I so badly wanted to like this just because I like mm. Benicio Del Toro. And yes. so I just, I want good things for him. I want him to continue to be in good films. He's been in a bunch that are super good and he's great in mm-hmm. them. And so I was like, okay, maybe this can be good because Benicio is in it. Uh, Nope, he couldn't save it, and that is a sad, sad day. I, I'm i kind of wondering if it's just time to give up on Netflix original films is kind of how I felt <laughs> after watching this because it has all of the hallmarks oh of a Netflix original. Uh, it's, a, it's a good idea. It's, for the most part, a good cast with one notable exception that we'll talk about. Uh The story is overbloated and convoluted and not edited enough. It is way too long of a film. It should have been a tight 90-minute thriller instead of this bloated two-hour-plus thing. Uh, And it's just, it's trying to be something that's like super intriguing, super moody. You know, like this movie is trying to be like something created by uh, David Fincher Fincher or... Denny Villeneuve like this is it's trying to be something that it's not a good enough quality to actually be and uh it was kind of disappointing because I feel like there's good elements in this like I felt like I was I was having to do a lot of work to pick out good things in this uh but it just comes together in kind of a a boring slog that's just over moody and and kind of depressing and like after a while you're just kind of like ugh why am i still in this world doing this so would not recommend go watch something by david fincher instead yes go watch 7 honestly oh my I was gosh just thinking yes. about that the whole time yeah yeah uh yeah the netflix original action and thriller movies so far i don't know if we've hit a jackpot on that yet but um Perhaps the jury's still out, although you're perhaps advocating for the jury to just go home. Like, we are not waiting anymore. (laughs) We've had so many years of this. We know what we get, for the most part, with Mm -hmm. Netflix originals. Sometimes, though, like, if a a director of, like, a certain caliber makes a Netflix film, then that's going to be great. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, they are middling to bad. Yeah. And that's just... It's not great. Can mm-hmm. can we just call it? You know, I. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I'm in alignment with you. This was, it. It's, it's rare for a movie to just be so poorly executed in my book. I think that 
oftentimes my issues with films that I do not enjoy. I feel a passionate uh, perspective on choices that it made, but I can understand maybe that they have definitively made some choices and I just happen to disagree with them. Actually, it was fun to think about uh, our conversation about the creator and not a fan of the creator, not a fan of Reptile, but for very different reasons, actually, which is kind of fun to think about. I, I just feel like there isn't anything salvageable in this movie uh, when it comes to character development, plot structure, uh, the screenwriting, the dialogue. There's a few interesting cinematography moments, but on the whole, like a lot of the the lighting in some of the shots just looked really strange. Like it looked like a a, a commercial for like specific prescription drugs when they're in like the kitchen in the opening sequence with JT and his wife. Like it it just this is really not well ex- executed at all. And I think oftentimes there's something that's salvageable. It's like, oh, I could see how they're going in this direction and they just happen to not be able to go all the way there. But in this case, it, it no aspect of it thematically, uh, I don't think it has anything interesting to say. It's very tropey. It's just, it's, it's not great on all fronts. And usually with movies, there's something that you're like, you know, this was pretty great. The creator, the visuals are pretty great. It's got some half-baked ideas, but it's got some ideas it's trying to communicate and has feels passionate about this one. I'm like, what is going on in this movie? Uh, I It was really difficult for me to get through this. I, I found myself completely disengaging and I just had to grit my teeth and get through it because it was so boring for being a thriller. And, and it'll be kind of fun, I think, to talk about what aspects of what, how it's constructed really contributed to this not working at all, just being completely disengaging. Uh, can I share one of the things that I think yes. contributed yes. that's non-spoilery? Okay. Uh, the score. Mm. My yeah. goodness. Like, and we talk about scores of movies all the time because they are such an important part of the filmmaking process and they can do so much to create the the mood and help us feel what the characters are feeling like the score is such an important asset in filmmaking and I feel like what they did for this movie was just go like hey we want to create this gritty thriller but we're not gonna do any of that in the script or visually we're gonna try and do all of that in the score and so it's just this heavy ominous like almost tedious score that just felt like such one note to me because it was constantly trying to create suspense where there wasn't really suspense happening and so eventually I just felt this like Mm. I don't know like this malaise having to continue to listen (laughs) to this heavy ominous score I was like this this is not how you make a film more exciting or how you create tension. This is how you wear somebody out from having to listen to this for two hours. Anyway, rant over. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, that's so interesting that you you noticed and observed the score so significantly. I think I, I didn't. Um, and now I'm like intrigued to go. Well, I'm not going to go back, but I'm intrigued to as to why that didn't stand out to me as much. Perhaps I was just trying to piece some of these details together, hoping that it would amount to something. And I was doing this like brain exercise of like, <laughs> oh, we cut from this yeah. shot to this shot. And there's this little detail in this moment. Perhaps it'll all mean something. But it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. And I, w- I was trying to do that same thing, <laughs> but with the music. Because there ah. would be times when nothing was happening and it would be this super uh like tense ominous sound or these these chords that just didn't sound good together and I was like oh my gosh what is this trying to get me to to feel like what does this mean because nothing seems to be happening and that happened too many times and I went oh okay (laughs) I have to just disregard the score Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah what you bring up a point earlier which is I also thought that Benicio del Toro would 
the the shining shining part of this movie where his dynamic screen presence could at least make this somewhat engaging and I think I lost hope for that about you know halfway through once we've gotten to spend a little bit of time with him but the script is just so uninterested in making that character interesting and as as charismatic and brooding as Benicio del Toro is as a screen presence it's he's got he's nothing to work with and I was also surprised by that because I think sometimes in a in a movie that just doesn't have a great plot structure and plot line and everything else is kind of falling apart there's maybe a character that you can latch on to to uh you know ride it out and I I was grasping for him to hold on to but even that I it kind of you know disappeared into thin air for me so that I was surprised by and I think a lot of it is due to just the the type of scenes and content that he's given to even work with in this movie yeah yeah that makes sense he did not have a lot of material helping him out at all, which is is a real shame. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that there are certain glimpses of it that we get, and those were the moments that I was like, oh, yes, Benicio, this is amazing. But uh, it, it wasn't consistent all throughout, and I think when the rest of the film is so dreary and tedious and and just a slog, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard for him to lift the entire movie mm-hmm. up. Uh, yep. I did appreciate, though, that this character, he's he's this really, like, like tough guy, but you don't, he doesn't have this bravado about him. So he's just, like, quiet and cool and intimidating, but you know that he can, like, beat up anybody in the room, but he's not going to like lead with that. And so I just, I loved that Benicio was able to play that character, even if he wasn't good enough to save the entire film. Mm-hmm. I love that you picked up on that crumb that this movie left you. This is very good. Cause that is very true. Mm-hmm. There is a, a, a like presence that he has in a room and you see it, especially I think in the dynamic the scenes when he's surrounded by his coworkers, there's a, there's a, a, a authority and a, and a presence that he brings into a room that is palpable. So that's great. That's very good. I'm telling you, I was searching for crumbs. I was searching real hard. And I, I found one at the end. Oh. I'm not going to say it right now because we're not in spoiler section. But there was something that he, like, he makes a certain choice. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you're an idiot. And then, like, I thought about it more. And I was like, you know what? I'm actually going to choose to read this as like a character revealing moment instead okay. of just thinking he's being an idiot. So like I was working really hard to try and find something good in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Searching far and wide for the mm-hmm. slightest crumbs. Yep. Yeah. I sure was. One of the the crumbs that I was holding on to for dear life was the um, husband and wife dynamic between Benicio del Toro's character and Alicia Silverstone. Mm-hmm. That's the most interesting part of the movie to me. Let's have a whole movie that dives into their relationship because, Ooh, wow, yeah. what an interesting dynamic. Yeah. But, uh, you know, few and far between. So they gave us little scenes here and there to keep me engaged because everything else was so uninteresting. But there's there's an interesting chemistry that they have on screen, but also I think that the scenes that are written for them is is pretty neat. So that was my... We're getting through this, gritting our teeth. There's something that we can hold on to. Crumb. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's that's a good one. Right. One of the few highlights in this film. Yeah. Okay. Let's include a spoiler alert here. If you haven't seen Reptile, you can check it out on Netflix before continuing to listen to the rest of this episode. Okay. I'm intrigued to know about what this moment was in the ending that was character revealing. That you actually – You've chosen to see as character revealing what could have been just a Benicio, what are you doing moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's at the end after he realizes that the uncle is corrupt as is Wally. And he takes that information up the chain of command. 
And I'm like, okay, idiot. If you learn that there is a conspiracy <laughs> within your department, why would you go up the chain of command? Why wouldn't you assume that the chain of command is also in on it, especially when in a previous life you were also caught up in corruption and you had a corrupt partner? Like, why didn't you piece these things together? Come on, man. Uh, and so that was my first reaction. And then I decided that it says <laughs> something about his character and that even though he is in this very uh, dark place, this very dark profession at times, and even though he has the worst luck in the world, having been partnered with corrupt people and then gone to a corrupt police department, he is still choosing to trust. And there's something in Tom that makes him want to trust authority even when all of the signs are showing him that he shouldn't trust it. And so I, choo I chose to, to see that moment as he is a trusting individual and that this work has not hardened him to the degree that it probably should have. That is such a good reading. I love that you've chosen <laughs> this for him. It's a very generous reading, but it's very I, generous. <laughs> I needed I needed something. something other than he's just being a moron. So here's mm. where So underneath that cool, calm, collected, hardened exterior, mm -hmm. there is a soft trusting heart mm -hmm. of gold. Yeah, he's a big softy. He is. Yep. Wow. I am just impressed that you were still very engaged at this point, or at oh, least I, looking for I things to be engaged with. Okay. <laughs> I was I was just trying to find things uh, <laughs> to make this more interesting. So I actually have a list of like little things that I want to talk about because I think that they're going to be funny to talk about. Okay. Uh, so I took a break from compiling my list to actually think deeply about a character. I'm uh, so intrigued what's on your list. Oh, Jen, it's going to be fun. I had to actively resist uh, making like recordings while I was watching and like pointing oh things out to you because I was like, oh my gosh, Jen needs to see this. Uh, I did not, but we can talk about it later. Okay, everyone. This is your reptile watch along experience courtesy of <laughs> Movies and Us. We will have uh, all of these moments detailed out for you for you to look for the Easter eggs. The fun little moments to get you through what's otherwise an incredibly boring experience. We're here Jen, for you. We're, have, we're here for you, people. Have you ever watched Mystery Science Theater 3000? No, I have not. Okay. Uh, I watched that so much as a child, and that says a lot about who I am as a person. Uh, but I, I, so the whole like premise is, uh, it's it's in the future so there's like robots involved but a dude and his robot friends watch a very very bad movie together and so you hear you see the movie you see the backs of their heads and then you hear the audio from the movie and you hear their commentary all at the same time mm -hmm. and that is what I would like to do with this movie because I feel like we could have so much fun with this watching this movie in that format yes it would be I a had great time I had a very similar thought when watching The Creator. I just think oh, that we would also miss plot moments because you and I would be it's buried true. down some rant, down some hole somewhere. And uh, it would be great. We would be a fabulous little echo chamber mm -hmm. of like, why is it? Why? Why would they choose this? It would be great. It would be very satisfying. Yeah. I feel like with The Creator, like we'd have to pause and oh, talk yeah. about something and then we'd yeah. have to like start the movie again whereas the yeah. reptile you can just keep talking over it oh yes you're really not missing a lot <laughs> oh man anyway oh, man. I, I was also thinking about while watching reptile that you've just had a tough couple of weeks with the uh, detective experiences it's true um, and yep. just wanting a good thriller mystery and so far, many experiences have not delivered, and Reptile is another one to add to the bunch. This is such a poorly done mystery. I know. It's a it's a big bummer. And and I also 
it's it's so funny watching these movies like this or True Detective, which we're currently reviewing over on TVNS. If you haven't subscribed, mm-hmm. go do that. Yeah. Uh, but it's so interesting how much I'm realizing about how I watch movies and TV when I know that it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, while watching Reptile, I was thinking about the movie that re- we reviewed a couple years ago, The Little Things. I was thinking about that too. Yes. Terrible movie again. But in both The Reptile and The Little Things, I am focused on all of the little details. Same thing with True Detective. I'm focusing on all the little details because I want to solve the crime. I am a detective along for the ride and I am going to solve it. And mm-hmm. so then that automatically like sets up the movie or the TV show kind of at a disadvantage because I am paying so much attention to yep. all of the little things. And sometimes it makes it hard for me to enjoy it because I get like too nitpicky and hypercritical. So well, there's that. I'm working on it. That's fair though. No, that's fair because in a, de- in a in a mystery, when you are the detective, all of the little details matter. So yes. the, the film should understand that like people are watching for every little detail because it will perhaps help us realize things that will be paid off later on and I think a good mystery a good thriller is able to help us focus clearly on the details that they care about because they're setting them up for something later on this movie doesn't do any of that it's just like honestly like bombarding you raining down all these little details little conversations little scenes and hoping that at least you'll catch some of them but it doesn't reward them at all and here's my other problem with poorly constructed mystery thrillers is that I will hold out hope for far longer than I should. This is like a bad relationship. I'm like staying because I'm like you there at some point, perhaps it will all come together and it'll all be woven in this beautiful, satisfying ending. So I hold out hope for far longer than I should have. And then obviously I'm highly disappointed because I've held out hope for a long time. So if it's a bad movie, a bad like melodrama, a bad action movie, I can I I know what you are much faster. But with a mystery or a thriller, I'm like, oh, perhaps this is all still laying the foundations for a really satisfying like gut punch ending where it's all gonna come together. And um that usually leads to a big fall when I am highly disappointed. <laughs> See Jen, you like Tom are very trusting in the <laughs> powers that be. And it just comes back to bite you. It, it, it does screw me <laughs> over, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I also went down this whole rabbit hole of thought. Yes, I'm ready. Around the way that mysteries and thrillers inherently, I think the bar of understanding how human beings think and operate is – inevitably higher because the interesting parts and the joy of those movies is the twists and the turns. And so you have to really understand the way human beings think and what they're curious by and what their questions are and how to like either answer them, but then maybe make reframe that from a different angle later on in a really fun way. Like the, the twists and turns inevitably require you to understand human beings expectations and curiosities in a way that I think is just a it's a larger challenge and so for the filmmakers like I was thinking a lot about Ryan Johnson while watching this because he's done some really great um screenwriting and storytelling and and filmmaking around mysteries specifically in the past couple years like the amount of understanding of the way human beings operate I think is just higher because the fun is in the twists and the turns and to do twists and turns well you have to know what people are expecting so for a directorial debut perhaps don't choose a mystery or thriller because mm-hmm. you kind of set yourself yeah. up for uh, a lot of expectation and and the other thought that I had around this was there's the the trend now and the popularity of Uh, mysteries and all of the like true crime podcasts and I know like thrillers in in novels are really like in right now I just think that it's a saturated market people have high expectations and you also have to 
fundamentally understand the way he things operate. That's just a lot of things stacked against you. So perhaps directorial debut, unless you're going to hit a home run, maybe a mystery thriller is not the favorable choice is my perspective. Yeah, yeah. And if, if you want to do that, do your homework. You know, mm-hmm. don't just watch a David Fincher film. And I, I mean, obviously, the, the director and the team behind this did their homework, I'm sure. But it really feels like they watched Seven and were like, oh, cool. Let's uh, let's do that, but different. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think there's so much uh, depth in studying mysteries and whodunits because we've seen them done so many different ways, but the general structure is usually pretty similar. And so I, I feel like like these genre films, it's almost like when you learn jazz, you know, you have yeah. to learn the fundamentals of music and you have to learn how things are structured together first before then you can go and break the rules. And I feel like genre films are the same. And like, okay, can you do something within the structure? Do you understand, like you were saying, human nature? Do you understand the formula? Do you understand how this works? Okay, cool. Now do something a little bit different. Do something inventive now that you have mastered the genre. And I I feel like this director, this team, doesn't understand the genre enough to master it to create something that's engaging and thrilling and all of the things that it's really trying to be. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And I think I would 100% agree with you that I think that there's – they don't follow the structure at all. Uh, and And they take out essentially all of the interesting and fun and entertaining and exciting parts of a thriller, which is mm-hmm. the – conversion of conclusions that then get complicated later on by new insights, new discoveries. And that that push and the pull, the like expanding out and then converging back and expanding out and converging back, changing angles of viewing the situation and the details and the facts. Like all of those really fun parts, this movie does literally none of that. We have the same like three suspects. No new details come to light that really – make one or the other seem more pro- likely to be the the actual candidate. And there's not clarity in what are the facts and details, what are our current working conclusions and hypotheses, and then, ooh, actually we learned a whole new thing that has totally shifted our perspective. Like that push and pull back and forth, one, creates a sense of pace and structure and um, – progress forward but also kind of milestones along the way of hitting those those moments of now what are they gonna do it seems like they've got some idea of what's happening so where could this go next and that those questions become really interesting and then how they get answered uh this movie does literally none of that it's just like a steady slew of facts getting discovered from random conversations that are happening between seemingly unrelated characters to the actual case like no no semblance of that structure is in this movie at all and i would take a movie that is a little bit more predictable and you can kind of see it coming but there's you're kind of along for the ride and it's fun than this which is just let's just bombard you with facts and figures and ideas and there's there's no guiding force in any of it you're just kind of along for this very boring journey and we don't know how all it's going to mount together. What could have been interesting is if they could hit the hit the home run and have all of these seemingly unrelated things all tie together in the end in an interesting way, but it doesn't do that either. So that journey then is really no longer interesting at all because you didn't even deliver on the promise, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I while watching just kept feeling like they were throwing red herrings just left and right to try and distract us. Yeah. But but like that is not the point of a red herring. You know, it's yeah. yes, to distract you and lead you down the wrong path while also showing you the right path at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's this very interesting plot device that when used correctly is phenomenal. So like Knives Out does this so, so well. well. Oh my oh gosh. My gosh. They're, 
the red herrings show up at the right time. They are the right things, the right forms of misdirection. Like that movie is exceptional because Ryan Johnson understands what a mystery is. He understands whodunits because he loves them. And you can tell because it shows up in the movie. And we don't get that in Reptile. Uh, And the other thing that I was thinking about while watching was that this murder is almost a vehicle to get us into Tom's world to explore something, but nothing is actually explored. And so we don't explore his character. We don't really explore the corruption of the police department. We don't explore, you know, the (laughs) corruption in the society in general. It's not really, it doesn't really seem to have anything to say. So it's like, okay, you have this murder that's supposed to get us to think about something in this world, but you haven't developed either. And so it just kind of ends up falling flat and you're just going, why did I just waste two hours of my life in this world? Yes. At least True Detective, go listen to TV and Us, uh, our other podcast, Uh, but at least True Detective, it cares about the characters, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Like you mentioned, the case is a vehicle for really exploring who these two men are, how they are different, how they're similar. And you're right. Reptile doesn't even explore the things that it seems to be interested in, which is who is Tom and what are the larger systems that it's uncovering, the larger corruption that it's uncovering. It also doesn't really even do that very clearly at all. So then I'm like, what what is this movie about? Mm-hmm. Yep. We still that don't. that is the question. <laughs> what is this movie about? Wow. I don't know. But it spent two hours and 15 minutes showing us images of things. So something something was happening, I suppose. Man. I did think about, after watching this movie, that it's it's interesting to me that the, um, the director of this, Grand Singer, has primarily been uh, directing music videos up until now. And I was just thinking about, you know, how does that shape – or influence the things that he might be leaning into when creating a directorial debut and and his kind of style or his strengths and his craft. And I think that there are some moments, like the way that certain scenes are edited or certain shots that are chosen, that I can see some of that like sense of style that I feel like he's bringing to a movie like this that is so key for any thriller is that that creating of atmosphere and this being really like a mood piece I think there's some aspects of this it's just different when it's a three four minute visual uh visual structure versus a two hour long story right and I think that's like an interesting lens to view a lot of our conversation about reptile through is the things that this movie does well um how does that translate if you were to take like a three-minute clip from this? Wow, there's some really interesting um, tonal moments that happen. But when you kind of play it out in a two-hour-long experience, a lot of that pacing and, and, and building and of, of uh, contrasting tones and, and moments, I think, becomes even more significant. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And how like a lot of really good filmmakers have made that transition from Mm -hmm. music videos Mm -hmm. to full length features. Uh, And maybe it just takes some time, you know? And I, I think, I think that's one of the, the good things that Netflix could potentially provide. And we've seen that from a lot of first time filmmakers who have a very clear vision and they're able to create something within, within this system and it's not perfect, but it found a home. And so I, I'm so frustrated that this, this potential place for people to be able to experiment and create really creative, different things is also used to create crap like the reptile. <laughs> like, it's just <laughs> frustrating. Mm. Why can't Netflix's powers be used for good and not for... I don't know, tedious and boring. I don't know. 
but uh, I do agree that some shots in this are really gorgeous. There's one kind of early in the film where Tom and his partner are in the morgue and it's this really like slow pan in on those two men as they're talking to the coroner. And I was like, Mm -hmm. this is probably the most excited I've ever been to look in a morgue in a movie. Like it was just so interesting the way that it was framed, the way the camera was moving. And it just made me want to learn more about what was being said purely because of the cinematography. So there were little moments like that where I was like, oh, this is this is good. I really, really like this. And then we would revert back to, I don't know, boring dullness. So I just, I wanted more shots like the morgue because that was great. Yes. That's, that's one of the things that's perplexing to me is that there are these shots that are so beautiful and interesting and visually framed in an exciting way. The one that sticks out to me is the blood splatter on the mirror shot in that ending climax sequence. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you see kind of the, the the blood splatters and they're blurred in the frame. And then you see Benicio Del Toro's reflection in the mirror. Loved that shot. Then there are these other shots, like in the opening exposition sequence of this movie where um, JT shows up and he meets Summer and they're talking in the kitchen. And it's so overexposed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking yep. about? Yep. The, it's this like bluish hue lighting and then it's super overexposed and it looks like a commercial for prescription drugs. <laughs> I was so confused that honestly, the beginning eroded a little bit of trust with me. I was like, um, this is like not just poor quality shot. It's, it's poor lighting. It's not even like, oh, this might be an intentional like um, way to create a mood. No, this is – Literally just no overexposed shot. I don't understand. Yep. Not great. Also not a great way to start the film. No. Okay. I am intrigued by your little collection of <laughs> goodies that you've collected along the way. <gasps> Ooh, yes. Okay. So, number one. Uh, we have learned in this film that... If you want to be a good detective, you cannot be wearing an earring because every time Benicio goes into cop mode, he has to take out his earring in his ear. (laughs) It's probably just a dress code thing, but uh, I thought that that was really a funny little inclusion. I love that you noticed these details. I'm glad that that kept you going throughout this movie. Yeah. Hey, man, I am out here paying attention to the little things. So <laughs> I my I focus on everything that's wrong because you never know what is going to break mm. the case. Mm-hmm. I watched too yep. much Columbo as a child, and that is what I have gained from that. <laughs> yeah, you never know when your earring might get caught in something, you know, hey. out on the job. Yeah. I don't you know. know. You're running through some high, tall grass. It could get caught. <laughs> Maybe on some someone's sweater by accident as you're like, it's true. You know, wrestling them to the ground. Yeah. Oh no, it's oh, a no. real safety hazard. His <laughs> little tiny baby earring. Yes, yes. Okay, number two in your list of goodies. How many are there? Seven. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We don't have to go through all nine, but oh, we. I'm so intrigued. We must go through all nine. Okay, great. Uh, these are in a chaotic order, so I'm sorry we're going to be jumping around. But All good. the second thing on my list is, what is with this film's obsession with kitchens? Yeah. There's, there's a lot of focus on the kitchen, and I couldn't quite understand that. Yeah, I wonder if it's a budget some kind of budget reason like here's all of these pre-built mm. sets that we have from other <laughs> movies and shows <laughs> so take your pick of which kitchen you would like to film in today <laughs> okay. no, I, I will accept that although a lot of conversations do happen in kitchens in general in real life this is true it is a place for people to gather to gather yes around a, a, a nice island with some it's snacks true. And there yeah. were some nice islands in this movie. Mm-hmm. There were some nice kitchens in this movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And in real estate, the kitchen is often a key area where you can have all your design aspects that are mm. getting shown off, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. So maybe this was helping us to get into the mind of like a real estate agent because it was so focused on the kitchen and that's what people buying houses are often yes. very curious about first off. Yes. Okay. Yes. And in which case its success rate of doing that is maybe a party of one for people like yourself who notice things like beautiful kitchens happening littered throughout this movie yes there were a lot of really really gorgeous ones and Mm -hmm. so I was like oh this is nice yeah wouldn't buy the house though but you know it was a nice kitchen (laughs) okay so this is my third one is is related to this but I feel like we have just answered this but I'm going to ask it anyway uh what is the film's obsession with pools because yeah there's a lot of pools in this. We first meet Summer and her friend changing to go dive into the pool. And her dive was awful, by the way. They question <laughs> her friend in the pool. There's a whole thing about Judy shooting the pool. Like, maybe. Yeah. But if if the whole movie is just getting us into the mind of a real estate agent, pools are very important. It's a good mm-hmm. selling point. Mm-hmm. So maybe we're once again just selling houses. Mm. Yeah. This is very good. Yeah, so perhaps the reptile is just one large ad. Mm. Go on Redfin. Look up some of these <laughs> homes. They're on the market. You've now got a full house tour for many of them. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh. This is commerce and art coming okay. together wow. in innovative new ways. What a beautiful marriage. <laughs> yeah. Watch this really depressing movie to buy a house. Yes. That's going to go well. (laughs) Don't you want to live in this home that is being sold by corrupt, uh, I don't know, criminals? I I can't even call them real estate developers because they've got their hand in every cookie jar when it comes to the the criminal uh, offenses buffet. Yeah. Yeah, they sure do. Yeah. It's rough. All right. It would be great if you could watch movies and buy homes. You know, like a click to buy situation. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Anything, you know, the, 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 oh, what's the creator's name of like after Yang and, um, oh, uh, Koganata Columbus. Yes. Yes. I would like to purchase. Oh, yes. I, wherever he sets yes. those films. Please. Absolutely. I, yes. I mm-hmm. do not have the money for either of those, no. but, um, nope. would love. Yeah. Maybe we'll, we can start with importing them into our Sims game. You know, oh, there you go. We could virtually yes. buy. Yeah. No, this is a great idea. I love this. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. All right. So uh, my my next one is mm-hmm. this is this is the one where I was like, I need to record this because I need Jen to see this because I need to talk about this. Uh, but I did not record it. Did you notice the way that Benicio holds his pen to write? No. <laughs> how does he do it i i i don't even know that i can explain it to you uh but it it made me confused as as to how he was doing this it's almost like the pen he holds it uh like parallel between his first two fingers and then like he like turns his hand in a strange way to write like I, I don't know, instead of like the pen tip facing down towards the paper when he's at rest, it's parallel. It was it was very odd the way that he was holding his pen. And I could not keep my eyes off of it. Wow. It was very interesting. This really, really must have captured your attention. It did. In all other aspects. <laughs> Was this first, was this also a character revealing moment for his soft, oh, squishy, trusting mm. heart that just wants to wow. to operate within the systems of authority? Oh, I didn't, I didn't hmm. see. Hmm. And can I create a character revealing moment out of this? I don't know that I can. But that you that you is managed with question. the other one, so I'm convinced you can with this one as well. We we don't have the time for me to just sit here and, and ponder Conjecture. to myself. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. 
So good. Well, yeah, that is a good little I, I was very distracted. <laughs> How often is he? Is are there shots of him writing in this? Is this like a fun little Easter egg to track throughout, or is this yeah. a one and done? No, he writes multiple times. Wow. Uh, the first time I noticed it, he was using a big yellow highlighter, uh, and so oh, I, was, I remember that scene. Yes, yes, but I so. don't remember how he was holding the set highlighter. <laughs> So at first I was like, okay, maybe because he's using a, a highlighter, he's he's <laughs> using it differently. I don't I was trying to figure out an explanation. But then mm. later when he's writing with a pen, he writes the same way. And I was like, Oh, interesting. This is this is this looks so uncomfortable. This looks like a weird way to use a writing instrument. But also it could just be me. And I might just be, I might be the weird one who holds my pen weird. I don't know. Yeah, this but. might be a character revealing moment for <gasps> you. Ooh, it could be. Okay, so Jen, I don't need you to watch Rip. Here's what I'll do. I will find that scene in Reptile. And okay. I'm going to take a video and I'm going to send it to you. Okay. Because I need you to experience okay. him writing with his highlighter this way. I think... I, I'm so curious that this is worth giving the Netflix analytics data one more play of Reptile <laughs> in their giant database. Like, yes. I, I think this is worth it. Excellent. Okay. So <laughs> please watch and then report back. Am I the crazy one or is there something interesting here? The two okay. could also be true at the same time because mm. who obsesses over the way that people hold their pens? Me. <laughs> I just – appreciate that so far your first three basket of goodies items have all been things that can easily be searched for throughout the film so you just were so kind to think about all of our people that are listening that are going to watch the reptile watch along experience mm -hmm. with us yeah and look for these little these little details absolutely i'm just nice. i'm i'm looking out uh a couple more are global things and then I think I only have two that are like isolated to one scene but I that think most of them apply to moments totally. throughout the film wow okay let's hear it okay Number so my four. next one is what is the obsession with the song call me an angel because <laughs> we hear that song so many times and then I was wondering if there was going to be a tie-in or there was going to be something around this theme of angels because Summer's ex, his artwork was of an angel. And so I was like, okay, is there like a larger theme here that we're going to want to explore? <laughs> nope. Sure isn't. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I I... I just feel like if I were a creator of mysteries, I would not want to want, want would not want you to watch my movie. Is how I feel, because <laughs> you every detail. I'm like, oh no, what conjectures will be made, <laughs> and how do we make sure that we are diverting her attention away from <laughs> pen holding, song choices, like everything has meaning. Oh, oh man, and this is why. Knives Out is so good. Yeah. Yeah. It like, is true. That is the caliber of mystery that I want, is I yeah. want Knives Out. Either that or be, like, complete and total trash. I don't <laughs> really want in the middle. Because if you're total trash, I can just have a really good time. Your brain can be off. Yeah. Yes. But if your brain's going, you are just not running on high alert. <laughs> and you are too smart for what this movie can deliver for you. <laughs> Yeah, I have I have a little too much of an obsessive personality for <laughs> some of these things. And so instead of disengaging, I hyperfixate, which is yes. very interesting. And this that, is why I am the way that I am and why I bring these things to the podcast every week. Which is also why I want to watch terrible movies with you to yes. see where does her brain go for survival mechanism in this movie. Yes. Yes. Like, it's, what thing is yeah. she going to cling to? Yeah, man. To get through this experience. Because you know <laughs> I will, and you know it'll be weird, and not what you're uh, supposed to focus on. Yeah, yeah. 
It's so funny. You go to the details and then my brain is just like, wow, writing a mystery means that you understand human beings. Yes. <laughs> it's very true. And I go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. No, that's a good rabbit hole to go down. It's much more productive than my rabbit hole. <laughs> but we all arrive at survival. Yes. That is the common denominator is yep. survival. And we made it. We did. Okay. I'm proud Number of Number five. Uh, okay. Uh, what is with Summer's giant tattoo on her spine? I know. Wait. Okay. But then I could have missed miss seen this moment but in the next scene where she's lying on the bed at home after he gets back from his event that she didn't show up to her back is facing him and I don't see the tattoo I think she was wearing a shirt that is the same color as her skin oh that might be the case because I had the same thought and I was like wait (gasps) a second why would you include the tattoo and then it's gone what does this mean but I I think she was wearing a shirt Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, I'm not 100% sense. sure, but I said that in my brain so that I could keep moving and not have to pause and rewind the film. Oh. <laughs> but the thing is, they have this whole dedicated shot yes. to the tattoo. Yeah. And literally it means nothing. Nothing. They do nothing with it. It's so frustrating. Why? Why would you yes. do that? Unless... Unless the actress actually has that as a tattoo, why would you add shot, that? The dedicated close-up shot? Yeah. That is the perfect summary of this movie. It's, a, it's just like a series, a long series of shots that make you think that it might mean something, but it actually doesn't. There's so many moments like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird because it's not in a good way. It's no. in a... Did you have an idea and then you scrapped it, but then you kept the shot? Yes. Or like, like, please explain to me the rationale. Why or did we need that shot? it's just a cheap way to be like, you know, minute two in the movie and you're like, ooh, yeah. moody. Like, because that tattoo also is is not just like a, it's, it's very uniquely designed. Yes. Which makes it seem like, okay, there's some, you know, designers like costume designer set designer that that thinks about these details thought about what that tattoo was going to look like and they specifically also had cameramen shoot that shot and for that to mean nothing i'm getting riled up i'm frustrated (laughs) (laughs) well i I gave you my brain power and i want to be rewarded (laughs) you know And I I think what's frustrating is that the more interesting thing in that scene is the bit of dialogue that her friend says. She says, maybe you're afraid of getting caught. And that Mm -hmm. immediately is a way to spark intrigue. And that pays off in the end once we know what she's wrapped up in. So I'm like, why include this giant tattoo, make it Mm -hmm. the focal point? When it goes nowhere, when you have a better mystery creating thing in the same scene. Mm -hmm. It's frustrating. Yeah. Agreed. But we can't explain her tattoo and we can't explain the tattoo that um, Rust had in the True Detective episode one episode either. So you're just 0 for 2 for getting your explanations for very interesting tattoos on characters that seem significant. Well, and I, this is another thing that I do obsess about because I think tattoos are super interesting. Mm. And a lot of times, not all the time, there is a story attached to it. And so I want to know what the story is. Why did you get that tattoo? What does that tattoo mean to you? And it doesn't always have that, doesn't always have meaning, but they're just such fascinating pieces to me that people wear art on their body. And so I'm constantly, anytime I see a tattoo anywhere, I'm just like, oh, what does it mean? I want to know everything about this tattoo. So that is a thing that I just like naturally obsess about. And uh, Mm. apparently not every creator is as obsessed with tattoos as I am. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because it's kind of weird. No, but... 
a creator should understand that if you include a dedicated shot in the first two minutes of your movie of this like very, you know, interesting looking tattoo on the character that dies, mm-hmm. yep. that we will be wondering, <laughs> you know, yeah, see, that's, 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 the, that's the human EQ factor that's key for making a good mystery. Mm-hmm. Ugh, okay. What a bummer. Okay. So number six, uh, along the same vein is <laughs> why is this movie called reptile? I don't know. <laughs> because outside of Summer finding that really, really long snake skin, which honestly is impressive to find one that, that that's yeah. that big. Uh, other than that, what is what is the tie-in? What is the connection here? I I don't understand. I don't know either. I okay, great. Don't know either. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. I was like, am I missing something here? Like I couldn't even come up with a plausible reason as to why this is called reptile no i i don't know either to be honest (laughs) which i was so checked out that i didn't even ask myself that question because i was just so done with this movie (laughs) so i'm glad you've asked it and it can further confirm uh yeah i don't know and i i think there is an opportunity for reptile to make sense with this film if they change everything about it Um, okay (laughs) if the character of will is played by a different actor uh oh yeah because justin timberlake is bad in this Not not believable as will anyway different actor make will more like slimy and and make him very clearly a corrupt businessman. And he has sneaked by, he's slithered away, gotten out of these scrapes before. He's shedding skins like a defense mechanism, getting out of trouble until finally this detective captures him. And he is no longer free to slither about causing havoc. Like, I feel like there's a way you could make that work. But that is very much not this movie. That's where my brain went to, too, is like basically they're all snakes. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't explain why you've chosen to call it reptile. Yeah, because that's true. That is a very broad category of <laughs> the animal species. There are, you know, so many animals that fall mm-hmm. into this category mm-hmm. that are not snakes. So like metaphorically, that's this doesn't true. work. That's true. Okay, so he's he's slithery like a snake. He's a chameleon <sighs> because he's able to like oh, morph into all different facets of life, but he's still sketchy. Mm. I don't know enough about reptiles to keep this going. I only had those two. So we that need to is visit the I second thought, grade class but... in their in their animal unit <laughs> <laughs> and have the second graders tell us. How Will Grady is a, like a reptile of many kinds, Excellent. many diverse kinds. Excellent. That will not scare the small children at all. No, not at all. Perhaps <laughs> we should show them a movie that you've described as a malaise falling, like just like drenching you for two hours. <laughs> yeah, let's not cause the children additional trauma. They have to live no. through enough. Yes. <laughs> we can just Google reptiles and keep the, keep the metaphor going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. And okay. number seven. Uh, why don't characters in films and TV ever follow IT best practices? <laughs> because I don't know about you, but I've had to go through those trainings about like phishing and malware mm-hmm. and like all of that stuff and like how you protect yourself online, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. And one of the things is, if you see a flash drive just laying around, yes. don't plug it into your laptop. I had the same thought when he did that. And so like this like, dude, dude. <laughs> this dude who's giving you the thumb drive has like broken into places. He's hacked into places. Why in the world would you take that and be like, oh, I can trust this guy. Let me plug this into my system. No, that's terrible. Well, what's also funny is that it's the flash drive he gets from said guy after that man's been, like, 
was poking around in his backyard and his <laughs> wife had a gun pointed at him. Very true. Out of fear. Even more suspicious. Right. Like perhaps those are your red flags. And you all mm-hmm. and he's also a suspect in your murder case. Yep. But we are choose any one of those details <laughs> as your red flags. One of those alone is quite enough. Yes. Yeah, there are a lot of red flags about a lot of things littered all throughout this film. And nobody pays attention to any of them. Nope. We're just breezing right by. But it's funny when you were starting your um, sentence there, and you're like, why do, how come none of these characters, and then I thought, what I thought you were going to say is, what I was thinking was, behave like human beings. (laughs) Because that I is mean, one of the notes that I jotted down. Which no, is, that's good. None of these people behave like a real human being. Yeah, you're not none wrong. <laughs> that is a fair point. But then you went to IT. keep up to date with their IT best friends. <laughs> and I was like, and we took a left turn here. <laughs> we See, are on a different road. <laughs> you, you already know so. that I'm not going to go down the thoughtful considering (laughs) humanity no we're not in that section anymore we are in the stupid little things that you're not supposed to focus on (laughs) the treasure trove of goodies Mm -hmm. yep in the callan bucket in the callan bucket there's always good things in there it's a it's a weird bucket but thank you for exploring it with me (laughs) i'm just glad that you have developed as a human being to Find ways to survive and cope with difficult experiences. It's very healthy. <laughs> by by hyper fixating on things. Yeah. So. That's right. <laughs> the key is survival first, you know? Hey, <laughs> we made it. not wrong. We made it. <laughs> okay. Any other last thoughts about Reptile before we wrap up? Okay. This so my, very interesting my, conversation. <laughs> my last little thing in my bucket okay. is another thing that Benicio does all throughout this oh, film. Yeah. And it's he is constantly flipping his tie over his shoulder to get it out of the way. And like, I understand why you would do that in like certain contexts. Like if you're eating or whatever, you don't want to get your tie in your food or you're handling something messy. But it'll be like he's just like sitting at his desk doing paperwork and his tie is over his shoulder. And I just I really appreciate it about that about him and that it's consistent throughout the film. Yeah, and perhaps he can emphasize now with women who have long hair and the high inconvenience of it falling everywhere in your face, in your food, in your line of vision. Yep. Wow. So maybe he's doing that, number one, to make sure that he's looking sharp because he's a detective. You know, got to be looking good. But number two, to help him better empathize with his wife, who does have like medium to long hair. So yes. maybe this is just empathy-inducing for him. Mm-hmm. I just was distracted in many of the scenes with Alicia Silverstone where I was just like, it's Cher from Clueless. <laughs> but she's much older. She's all grown up. Yeah, she's was... just got it, – she, it's such an iconic role. And then yeah. also her facial features are so distinct. You just can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, where is your – like? Mid '90s inspired outfits. Okay, <laughs> what's happened? <laughs> but it was really nice to see her. Like I feel like cool. she has been flying under the radar for quite some yeah. time, and yeah. she just like pops up every once in a while. So it was Good. a joy to see her in this. Yes. It's like seeing an old friend again. Yeah, it's like, great. Up to the past, you know, thirty years <laughs> since I last saw you. You were so youthful back then, <laughs> young and vibrant. And now you're playing a very different kind of character. Very she different. She was the most interesting character by by far. Oh, yes. By far. Yep. I was fascinated by her. Mm-hmm. I would like a film dedicated to her and Benicio. Yes. She's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe, maybe it can just be Benicio and her on the road solving <gasps> murders. Because, like, she can hold her she own. She can hold her own. She's yes. paying attention. She's smart. She can Mm -hmm. be a real asset to him. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Well, this was our review and discussion. Such a funny conversation. I love it. Of a reptile. You can find it on Netflix. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Movies and Us. Our name sums it up. We're all about movies and the powerful ways we can connect with each other and the world around us. This podcast is about all of us and our shared stories. Everyone is welcome here, and we're so glad you hung out with us today. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a rating and review, letting us know your thoughts about Reptile. You can connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Movies in Us Pod or email us at moviesinuspod at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the film Past Lives. We hope you have an amazing week and we'll see you next week. Thank you.